0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. We're diving into our archives once again to share with you a great show from back in 2004, and that starts right now.
1: From Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's E-Town on the road with this week's guests. From New York City, rounder recording artist, Madeline Peru. And from Toronto, Canada, Leighton Zoe recording artist, Cowboy Junkies. Right now, here's your host, Nick Forrester.
0: Thank you, Ellen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. We get together listen to some live music. We are coming to you this week from this beautiful hall, Sanders Theater in Memorial Hall on the Harvard campus, completed in 1878 in honor of the Harvard alumni who were killed in the Civil War. It's a beautiful, beautiful room. And being in Cambridge, you know, for somebody from Boulder has always been a very comfortable experience. Uh, This is kind of the mother of all college towns. When I first came here as a, a teenager in the late 60s, it was the home of fuzzy sweaters and fuzzy hair and kind of fuzzy Volvo station wagons everywhere you looked. And it kind of stayed that way for what seemed like a pretty long time. But definitely Cambridge is more cosmopolitan now. they got all kinds of stuff including a winning baseball team. And But it's still, uh, it still kind of feels like home for us, uh, us Boulderites. And what Cambridge has also had more of than most, almost any other college town really over the last 40 or 50 years, is a bunch of folk music. There has been a long and deep love and appreciation of folk music here in this community, it seems like. And while our guests this week are not exactly folkies, you know, I'm getting to the point where I kind of think all music is folk music and our first guests actually have a certain amount of things in common with the folkiest of the folkies, the Carter family, and that they're kind of a family band. They've been together a long time. They have a number of songs that are not unlike those old murder ballads, and that they're just kind of fairly stark stories set to music, so they're not folkies, but they're close. We're very happy to have them back with us here in E-Town. Please welcome back our musical neighbors from the North, Cowboy Junkies.
2: There is one love of which I'm sure Your fears hold as a battle axe I'll bear my neck, I'll wear the scars if my nerves should fail the task, I know your faith will not roam too far. I've heard all the stories told about love, two souls in a one. But this tale of love is one we've just begun. situation I was plain to see. What I desire is your trust to inspire love. Plant a rose tree on its grave and on mine, plant a vine. As seasons pass and markers fade, watch them slowly intertwine. I've heard all the stories told about love till death do us part. But our love is a vow which has been wrought. Oh. This is a a song off of our, uh, our new album. The album's called One Soul Now, and this is called My Wild Child. Betrayed is the question that I am asking. Just a lucky one deceived by too much love Confused is the issue I'm in need of her rescue Another lucky one stunned by too much love My wild child, she's my salvage shipwreck my wild child, she's my stone My wild child, she's my constant reminder My wild child, she's my home the lost is the place Where I'm hammering stakes Science is a lucky one Done in by too much love Saved is the state That I'm told is graced He was just a lucky one Betrayed by too much love My wild child She's my salvage shipwreck My wild child, she's my stone My wild child, she's my constant reminder My wild child, she's my home caught in the middle couple of lucky ones tangled up in too much love My wild child She's my salvage shipwreck My wild child She's my stone My wild I call some reminder My wild child she's my home My wild child brings me
0: Michael Timmons, you're still the uh, principal songwriter in the band. And uh, I just want to talk to you about this record. There's an image of a circle on the cover. And I wonder if there's some uh, sort of full circle concept going on here. You guys seem to be sort of back in charge of your own careers, resurrected your old label. And is that part of what's going on?
3: Yeah, that is what's going on. We've, uh, for about five or six years now, we've been handling our own label and licensing it to various. Distributors and uh, in the States, Rounder has been carrying it for the last two records, so it's been a nice time for us as far as that sort of control and managing our own careers and our own music.
0: And uh, are your lives more complicated? Do you have kids? Or, uh... Oh yeah, that's what the record's really about. Wild <laughs> child. Uh...
3: Yeah. yeah, I think everybody in the band has children now, all fairly young. So uh, yeah, that gets as life gets complicated, anyways. But certainly yeah. being in a rock band on the road and trying to manage the two sides is very complicated. Yeah.
0: Now as you travel around in the States and you do lots of press and media and stuff, do people assume that because you're Canadians you're going to have this unique perspective and wisdom and you can kind of look down on this great <laughs> land of ours? And yes, and, and correctly so. so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I think a lot of people don't actually realize we're Canadian. <laughs> um, I think anybody outside of the borders of this country has a bit of a, a more unique perspective on what's happening here than our different perspective. So. Yeah, I think so.
0: So that's part of the function, your service that you're providing to your you listeners know, now?
3: You we're, we're beings, we're political beings, we're well aware of what's going on, we have children in this world so, who have hopefully long lives ahead of them, so we're very aware of what's going on in the world and very concerned about it, as a lot of people are, so yeah. whatever, no matter what side of the issues you're on, there's a concern there, I would hope, so yeah, it's definitely something we talk about, and we uh, we talk about it down here all the time with people who want to talk about it, and, and throughout Europe, we're just in Europe, and Believe me, it's the number one issue in in, and around the world right now. Right.
0: Well, I appreciate the fact that you guys have been so true to your muse and your vision and uh, you've managed to keep it together for almost 20 years. Thank you. I mean, I I think most people have a sense of what it's like to be in a band. What audience members see is a band that's on stage that plays and has fun and, wow, wouldn't that be a cool job? (laughs) But it really is kind of like being married four times over.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a cool job, it, it definitely is, it's, there's no doubt about that, but there's, there's a lot of on, on the negative side of the ledger as well. It doesn't outweigh the positive side, but there's a lot of work and effort and uh, internal politics, and, you know, it, it's hard. And as they say, as it gets more complicated, as your personal lives get more complicated, being right. in a band gets more complicated, but you- it's something we love so much. So.
0: You had the advantage of practicing uh, over the dinner table as kids <laughs> all those years. Working fighting, paddle. I mean,
3: practice fighting, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> anyway, I'm just, I'm just glad it's worked as long as thank it has. I'm glad you. you're back with us in E-Town. We'll get back to music. Welcome back, Cowboy Junkies.
2: This is a song that was written by a, yeah, a fellow Canadian named Neil Young. He shot four men in a cocaine deal And he left them lying In an open field Full of old cars With bullet holes in the mirrors He tried To do his best Good please take my end. They burned his brother they left him lying in the driveway they let him down with nothing he tried to do his best but he could not please take my Was he a heavy doper or was he just a loser, and what do you mean, he had bullet holes in his mirrors, he was a friend of yours, he tried to do his best. But he could not
0: Cowboy Junkies, Margo Timmons, Michael Timmons, Jeff Bird, Yara Zawinick on the accordion. They'll be back. Play some more music. Second half of the show. We'll be back with more music and conversation from this special show from Sanders Theater on the Harvard campus in Cambridge, Mass., from our 2004 season after a short break.
1: This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster, listening to E-Town Cowboy Junkies. We'll be back later on the show. And coming up, the wonderful singer, kind of a jazz singer, kind of maybe sort of still folk music, it's hard to say. Uh, Wonderful singer Madeline Peru is here with her band to play some music. But before we get back to music, I want to share a little good news, a story about something that's working out in the world. We all know that there are all kinds of troubles, Uh, more people hungry, homeless, jobless, major challenges to the environment troubling things all around and we may have thought that uh, our social safety net government would take care of all that stuff and it's really turning out to not just be the case that's not the way it is but there are people out there right now who are not waiting for some magic uh, solution from on high they're taking it on themselves to make a difference one piece at a time one step at a time we hear about these folks from listeners like you and that's what the each Award is all about. We do this every week. Here comes Helen to tell you about this week's winner.
1: Thank you, Nick. We heard about this week's winner from listener, Michael Bartner, who hears E-Town on WUMB here in Boston. He told us about someone who's making a difference, but not on the grassroots level exactly. He's nominated Ray Anderson, the founder and chairman of Interface, the world's largest producer of commercial floor covering employing 7,300 people with sales in 110 countries. Michael writes, Ray Anderson is a great example of someone in a position of power who had the courage to change course as he learned about environmental issues. He took it upon himself to rethink his business, taking real steps toward environmental sustainability in a petroleum-intensive industry, not an easy process. And Nick, uh, I'm happy to say that Ray Anderson is here with us in person this week, and we'll have him tell his story in full. So please welcome the winner of this week's Achievement Award, Mr. Ray Anderson.
4: Thank you.
0: How are you, Ray?
4: Hello. Fine. Thanks. Good to have you with us. Happy to be here. Thanks.
0: So, uh, first of all, where is Interface? Where is this business located?
4: Headquartered in Atlanta, yeah. with operations on four continents in six countries and sales in 110 countries.
0: So this is big stuff.
4: That's well, a good-sized company, yeah. yeah.
0: And what was the uh, deciding factor? What made you take a second look at how you were doing business?
4: Oh, well, it was our customers. About 10 years ago, the summer of 1994, we began to hear a recurring question from our customers, particularly interior designers, asking what's your company doing for the environment? And we didn't have answers for them. And a group in our company decided we really need to do something about that, and they set about to convene a new task force to come together representing our businesses around the world to assess our company's worldwide environmental position. And they set the date for that meeting, August 31. 1994. And about the middle of July, they asked me if I would come and speak to that group and launch that new task force with an environmental vision. Well, I didn't have an environmental vision. I didn't want to make that speech. And I was really sweating with what to say when a book landed on my desk. It was pure serendipity. Paul Hawkins' book, The Ecology of Commerce. Yeah. And I began to thumb it without an idea of what was in it. And it grabbed me very quickly, and I came to a chapter entitled The Death of Birth. It was a phrase that had been coined by Edward Wilson, the great Harvard biologist, to put a real face on species extinction, species disappearing, never ever to be born again. And it was a spear in the chest. It was an epiphanal moment for me, and I read on and I wept over the plight of the earth and what the industrial system, of which I was a part, was doing to the earth, And I resolved to make that speech to give that group an environmental vision that our company should be the first in the world to reach the top of Mount Sustainability. That point at the top representing symbolically zero environmental impact, zero footprint. And we've been at it 10 years now, and we're about a third of the way to the top of of that mountain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did, uh, did any of your peers just think you were
4: uh, nuts oh, yeah. at the time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody thought I was nuts. In fact, our own people thought I was. I heard it one day. Uh, Has he gone round the bend?
5: Yeah.
4: And there was a big sales meeting, and I confronted it head on. I said, yeah, I heard the question, have I gone round the bend? And I want you to know, yes, I have. Yeah.
5: yeah.
4: <laughs> I've gone round the bend because that's my job, to see what's around on the other side. Yeah.
0: Were you a publicly traded company at the time? Yes. So this is something you not only had to deal with in terms of getting your staff psyched up about this transition, but you also had to defend this vision to your shareholders.
4: Actually, we, uh, we sold the vision to our shareholders in terms of uh, climbing Mount Sustainability, the seven faces that we identified. The first face of the mountain was to eliminate the very concept of waste in our business. And from day one, we made money eliminating waste sustainability has never made our costs go up, they've gone down. So it dispels a myth that's out there that you really sort of have to choose between the environment and the economics in running the business and it's not true.
0: Yeah. Now maybe you can give us a sense of the uh, scale that we're talking about. Obviously we described your business being a big business. You're talking about eliminating waste. I can't really fathom what what that means.
4: Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, We're a billion dollar company in round numbers. When we set out on this path, we said, we really ought to measure ourselves against perfection. And if we measure ourselves against perfection, just how much waste is there? And our cost accountants worked at it, and they came to this amazing conclusion that 10% of our sales dollar was going down the drain in the form of waste. Most of it expected allowable scrap, allowable off quality. But we said, we're going to measure against perfection, and that 10% became the target. And we set out to cut it in half, and then in half, and then in half. Well, we've been at it 10 years, and we've got it just about in half. In the process, we have saved $248 million, real money, hard dollars, not a soft dollar in that total. And it has more than paid for all the rest of the Mm -hmm. stuff we're doing.
0: And what about the volume of scrap that isn't going into the... Well, oh, I, of-
4: I just got that figure, and it's an amazing number. Sixty million pounds of stuff kept out of landfills wow. over the ten years. Of course it is. There is no more strategic issue for any person or company than ultimate purpose. And I do believe that this journey to sustainability and the ultimate achievement of it will represent our ultimate purpose in life.
0: I love the fact that, in a well tailored suit and with a long list of accomplishments, including running a billion dollar business, you're not exactly the prototypical tree hugger. You know, you're a different kind of spokesperson for environmental reform.
4: I'm a radical industrialist. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Are you feeling like uh, other business leaders, other uh, industrialists who maybe aren't quite as radical yet, are watching you and learning from you?
4: Yeah, particularly in our industry. I mean, they have been forced to. We've, yeah. we've led this effort uh, and we have gained market share at the expense of the competitors who were slow to react. And we've won goodwill in the marketplace. And our products are better than they've ever been before because of this sustainability focus. So for a lot of reasons, our competitors are having to follow. And consequently, a whole industry moves towards sustainability. And we'll be able to hold up the model that uh, uh, much of the rest of the industrial world will be able to emulate.
0: Do the right thing. Make money along the way. Doing
4: well by doing good.
0: Yeah. Well, Ray, thank you so much for stopping by. E-Town, congratulations. We... uh, uh, are always happy to meet somebody who's had this kind of transition, especially a big shot like you. Doesn't happen <laughs> often. But we've got a framed Achievement Award certificate for you, and we hope you can share that with your management team and your employees.
4: I got a spot on the wall for it. Yeah. Thanks so well, much. Well,
0: congratulations once again. The winner of this week's Achievement Award, Ray Anderson, founder and chairman of Interface.
1: Our sincere thanks go out to uh, listener Michael Bartner, who gave us this week's Achievement Award story. Now, if you're listening out there and you think you may have someone in mind for the award who's working to better your hometown or a community elsewhere, please let us know. Just take a moment, send in their story, and they could end up on the air. You can make a nomination, and you can also learn more about a number of our more recent winners by visiting our website, etown.org, or write us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Ellen. Ray
0: Anderson, winner of the Achievement Award. Cowboy Junkie is going to be back in a while to play some more music. Right now, I want to tell you about our next guest. Madeline Peru. was born in Athens, Georgia, raised uh, between Southern California, Brooklyn, New York, and Paris, France. She began singing uh, at the age of 15, inspired by some street musicians in Paris. And, and at 16, she was in her first band, spending the next couple of years touring around Europe. And that led her to recording her first record, uh, performing songs by Fats Waller and Billie Holiday and early Ella Fitzgerald stuff. She has a new record out now and is now back in New York. We're very happy to have this remarkable singer with us this week in our special show from Cambridge. Please welcome to E-Town along with her band, rounder recording artist, Madeline Peru.
6: to your beauty with a burning violin dance me through the panic till I'm gathered safely lift me like an olive branch be my home see your beauty when the witnesses are gone. Let me feel you moving like they do in Babylon. Show me slowly what I only know the limits of. Dance me to the end. This time. Won't you forget, do as I ask you to. Don't you forget
0: They like you. I think this is working out. It's great to hear you sing. Glad to have you here. Tell me about that uh, first band that you started playing with, what is it called? The Lost Wandering Blues Jazz?
7: Yeah, oh. not the Jazz and Blues, but the Lost Wandering Blues and Jazz Band. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's, uh, the setup was based around a washtub bass that we painted and had written on it from New York City when we were in Paris. And then when we got to New York, we flipped it over and it said from Paris on the other side.
0: Is that what you played?
7: At first I played that, yes. And uh, then I kind of graduated and I don't have to play that anymore.
0: To six strings, yeah. (laughs) And uh, so you just traveled around. Did you sort of leave school at 16 and just kind of go out and start playing gigs and Hmm. travel around with this, this band?
7: Yeah, that band had been playing on the street for maybe 15 to 20 years. They started in New Orleans. I met them in Paris, France, and they've had people from all over Europe and the States, you know, jamming along. So they're still doing it too, by the
0: way. Now, as a 16 year old girl, did your friends, I-, I suspect they weren't listening to Fats Waller and uh, that kind of stuff, Elephants well, Gerald's When songs. they came
7: to see me, they were, they never so. Did. Yeah.
5: <laughs> okay.
7: yeah. At the time. <laughs>
0: And is it? are you one of those people who, who sort of imagines that you were born out of time, that you're from another time ever, or you just like these songs?
7: Well, it's not that long ago, actually. <laughs> it's just that things, I think, change so quickly. Yeah. But I didn't ever feel like people didn't know the music that I heard in, at home when I went out. I just felt like they didn't care as much, maybe. Right. But it... it uh, it's not true when you're when you're in a when you're trying to have fun when entertainment comes along. Nobody ever said, "Oh, stop that," you know. Even in Brooklyn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now you have a, a new record, and there are songs on there by uh, that are not sort of older songs necessarily. I mean, they're still old. Some of them: Leonard Cohen's song, Hank Williams song, Bob Dylan's song. Uh, you're sort of casting a slightly broader net,
3: maybe.
7: Hmm. Yeah, good songwriters. That's a broad net, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, special.
0: <laughs> this is really moving along nicely, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: it's
7: a one-word answer. <laughs> I made you blush, so it's okay. I-
0: Thank God it's radio. Um, The fact is, you just have a wonderful (laughs) instrument. And uh, I know that there were a lot of early references to you sounding a little like Billie Holiday. Was that something that was sort of, obviously, a wonderful singer to be compared with? But has that haunted you or stayed with you or followed you around since that first started happening?
7: It doesn't change for me. I mean, Billie Holiday remains a big part of the music that I play and a big part of my own study in song. And... um, you know, but music continues to evolve too. So, right. yeah. hopefully, people do as well.
5: You know,
0: that's my cue <laughs> to uh, evolve and uh, <laughs> and and uh, realize when it's time to get back to music. But um, I appreciate you stopping by. And <laughs> we're going to get back right now. Welcome back for some more music, along with your fine band, by the way, Madeline Peru.
7: you. Speaking of songwriters, I'd like to do a song by Elliot Smith, if you will, called Between the Bars.
6: Drink up, baby. do, you won't what you might, the potential you'll be, you'll never see promises you'll only make. Drink up with me now and forget all about pressure days. Do what I say and I'll make you okay. Drive them away, the images stuck in your still, drink up, babe, look at the stars, and kiss me again between the bars. Oh. up one more time and I'll make you mine and keep you apart deep in my heart. Separate from the rest where I like you the best and keep the things you forgot.
0: It's Madeline Peru, along with the fine band, Ben Peruski on the drums, Sam Yahel on the keyboards, Johannes Wiedemüller on the bass, Madeline Peru. We'll be back with more from the Cowboy Junkies after a short break.
1: Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E-Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WLGE in Bailey's Harbor, Wisconsin, on KBUU in Malibu, California, and on WRFI in Ithaca, New York. As always, if you'd like to learn more about what we're up to here at E-Town, there's lots of stuff available online at etown.org. When I was 15 years old, I really wanted to buy an old-time banjo and I was staying with my sister and brother-in-law and their kids at their house in Cambridge. It was New Year's Eve and I was looking in the newspaper and I found an ad for an old Dobson banjo from a guy in Boston, it cost $90 and I had $90. And so I strategically placed the $90 in different pockets. I wore overalls in those days, so I put 40 bucks here and 20 bucks there and 10 over here and so on, thinking that I could probably bargain with a guy when I got there. I was a devious 15-year-old. I um, didn't know how to get to Boston. My sister couldn't give me a ride because she had her little kids. But she drove me to the subway stop, uh, the red line right there in, in Harvard Square. And I took the train to Boston, met the guy in his apartment, offered him, how about $70? And he said, no. It's $90. I said, What about 80? He said, No, it's 90. I said, Okay, fine. And so I searched through all my pockets, gave him all my money, went back on the train, went back to Harvard Square, came up from the subway and realized I didn't really know how to get to my sister's house because she'd driven me to the subway and I wasn't really paying attention. And I couldn't call her because I didn't have any money at all. So I did the only thing I could think of on New Year's Eve in the dark as it was starting to snow. I opened up my banjo case. And I tuned it to an open chord and I started playing the banjo and busking. So imagining that somebody would throw me a quarter and then I would be able to make a phone call. Well, I played Donovan songs and I played whatever I could think of, but I'd never owned a banjo before and I didn't really, didn't really have it together. Well, after a while, the guy who ran the newsstand said, hey kid, what are you trying to do? And I said, I'm just trying to raise a little cash so I can make a phone call and have my sister come and pick me up. He said, how about if I give you a dime? And I'm not sure if he was being kind because I was so pathetic there in the snow on New Year's Eve or if he was making a comment on my beginning banjo style. But either way, he gave me a dime. I made the phone call. My sister came and picked me up and all ended well. But that memory came rushing back as we were right near there at Sanders Theater doing our special show. So let's go back to the stage at Sanders Theater right now for some more music from our show from 2004. Here come the Cowboy Junkies.
2: the blame for the poisoning of the well. They found his shoes by the pulley. They found his fingerprints all over the pale. Black-eyed man, I'm mourning you. People around here will not be soothed by a simple lie or two. Yes, Your Honor, I do solemnly swear That I saw him late that night Dancing barefoot, bathing light And reaching for every star in sight Yes, I did go to him But completely against my will Yes, he did things to me of which I dream of still mm-hmm. Like a man say is what you'll do to hell with love and truth. I was meant to say I'm sorry for the things I said and did. I'm sorry. I feel better now. Do you? But you promised me the sky And fell short a star too And what else did you expect me to do? Black-eyed man, he took the blame For the poisoning of the well they found his shoes by the pulley. They found his fingerprints all over the pail, and with a noose around his neck, cicadas trilling everywhere. He says to the people gathered round him. water here, drawn fresh from the well.
0: Cowboy Junkies. Margo Timmins, Michael Timmons. Jeff Bird on and Armonica, Yarrow, Chervinetz on accordion. The CD is called One Soul Now on Madden Records. Cowboy Junkies. We've got time for one more song. Get Madeline Peru and her band out here. I want to thank everybody for being on the show this week. Of course, our guest, Madeline Peru, blurring the musical lines between the generations. Give her a big hand. She did a fine job. I want to thank our award winner, Mr. Ray Anderson, from Interface, changing the way big business looks at the environment. Thank you, Ray. Thanks to the Cowboy Junkies from Toronto, Canada. Thanks to Helen Forster, Ron Jolly. Special thanks to our honorary E-tones this week, uh, Ben Porowski on the drums, and Johannes Wiedenmüller on the bass. Hope I got that right. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening. I want to remind you that we can all make a difference. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
1: is a production of E-Town.
0: Thank you to the Cowboy Junkies. Thanks to Madeline Peru. Thanks to Ray Anderson, a really inspiring businessman and innovator. More good stuff coming from the E-Town archives. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.